joining us today for COVID forms and best practices in a COVID world. I'm Laura Prouse with Crest Insurance Services. Today, we're welcoming attorney Mark Carlson from the Carlson Law Group. Mark has been defending real estate professionals since 1993 and has worked with Crest for over 20 years as a founding member of our legal panel. Along with Mark, we have Dave Miller, Regional Vice President with Fidelity National Home Warranty. Dave manages the Crest Advantage Home Warranty Plan, which ties in with the Crest's real estate errors and emissions insurance. We have a lot to cover today, so I'll hand it over to you, Dave and Mark. Oh, thank you, Laura. Thank you, Mark, for being here today. We have so many questions that uh, come to us when in the field, so this is going to be hopefully very valuable for, uh, for so many real estate professionals out there. I'll just get started with the first one. Mark, what coronavirus forms has CAR released to help real estate professionals transact during this pandemic? Well, Dave, first let me start by, by saying that uh, today is August 12th. So tomorrow, August 13th, there may be something different. So this, uh, the forms have been coming out, uh, you know, like the uh, cookies out of the Keebler Elves uh, factory. Uh, so, so far we've got forms that we can sort of break down into four different categories. Uh, the first is uh, office opening and how to conduct uh, showings of a house, uh, just sort of generically. Um, uh, rules and uh, for entry. Uh, there's the, the, the BPPP form, which is the best practices and guidelines uh, uh, and prevention plan. Uh, and then there's the PRE, which is the posted uh, rules of, of entry. And, and just let me back up a little bit with that. The, the purpose of those two forms was that CAR, I'm sorry, Cal OSHA, uh, and uh, along with the uh, California Department of Public Health, as I'm sure in, in you've seen in other industries, uh, have been releasing uh, uh, industry guidelines for restaurants, for you know gyms, for whatever the every every segment um, they've been releasing guidelines. Uh, although uh, uh, the practice of real estate and, and real estate licensees in California, um, because they're in, they're statutorily defined as independent contractors. Uh, Cal OSHA really hasn't uh, stepped into that field in the past. Uh, so we may question whether Cal OSHA has jurisdiction over this, uh, over these matters, uh, but since the California Department of Public Health uh, would, uh, joined in the issuance of the uh, industry guidance, real estate transactions, that's the name of the, of the brochure, uh, the Department of Public Health most likely does have uh, jurisdiction you know, over how real, uh, real estate agents and, and brokers conduct themselves. So the BPPP and the PRE forms uh, really just mirror what, what recommendations and guidance uh, are included within that, that publication. So it governs things like how to conduct an open house, clean between showings, don't touch handrails, uh, you know, don't sweep after uh, to raise the, uh, the air and, and whatnot, and just sort of the nuts and bolts on, uh, on how to conduct uh, the uh, showings, and then also uh, for the real estate brokers uh, to adopt a, an official policy, which is a little bit of a of a nuanced uh, uh, situation there, because <clears throat> as most uh, people will agree that Cal OSHA doesn't have jurisdiction over uh, the uh, over real estate agents, brokers need to be careful about not creating or not adopting an internal standard of care. Uh, that can be used against them. So if, if we can always argue that, hey, listen, I know that's what Cal OSHA recommended or the California Department of Public Health recommended, but that really isn't the standard 
that, you know, here's what the industry was, was doing. We, we could make that argument, I think, in this, in this setting. Uh, however, if a particular real estate brokerage adopted all of those uh, recommendations as their, like within a, po a policy and procedure manual, now that policy and procedure manual for sure would be able to be used uh, as to establish the office uh, standard of care. So CAR is recommending that the broker sign the BPPP uh, and I would agree with that uh, so long as that's all that, that you do um, or that a brokerage does. Uh, and then moving along to the actual showing uh, of properties, you've got uh, the, as a, the, the first step, you have to have the posted rules of entry and that's changed a little bit. It was actually just a pictogram uh, showing uh, someone in a mask, showing someone washing hands, uh, staying six feet apart. There were uh, just a bunch of little of uh, drawings uh, that originally were released. And that has been changed to be a little bit more um, uh, inclusive of recommendations on what you're supposed to do while you're at the property. So uh, the, um, uh, and then moving along to, okay, now I've got somebody that actually wants to see a property. Uh, and then there's been a change in forms uh, uh, or an evolution, I should say, in the forms uh, that CAR has released. First, it was just the, the uh, PEAD, the Property Entry Advisory and Declaration. And that is kind of a, the, the original uh, or the, the very first version was sort of a simple, I declare I don't have symptoms. I declare I haven't been around somebody that has symptoms. I understand that entering into a house uh, it poses some sort of risk. Um, you know, I, I'm going to wear a mask, uh, you know, things of that nature that that's uh, sort of the uh, what we see going into grocery stores, uh, you know, on a regular basis. Uh, <clears throat> then CAR uh, started or, or thought, well, we've got different situations. We have a, a seller uh, who may be going into a property or, or may just want to, to uh, dictate what other people can do while they're on their property. So now there's the PEADS, which is designed just for a seller to sign uh, when people, before people come into a property. Uh, then, you know, there was a question about, well, who could be on a property and, and different jurisdictions had different rules. Uh, so uh, CAR created the PEADV for visitor uh, um, form, and that's meant to be used by home inspectors, appraisers, people that are there that aren't necessarily prospective buyers uh, or the seller uh, or the occupant. Uh, they're just there to do a particular job and then, and then be out of the property. So in that circumstance, you would use the PEADV uh, form. Uh, the, then then uh, uh, CAR released the uh, the PEADLR, which is intended to be used in a lease situation. So the language uh, that was dealt with in the context of a sales transaction uh, was changed a bit uh, to pertain to a lease transaction. Not very complicated, you know, just got to be diligent in, in selecting uh, the, uh, the right form. <clears throat> the so now assuming that you've had a showing and you've got a, uh, a buyer who's interested in making a property or making an offer on a property, so now what do you do? Uh, well, um, CAR uh, has created a couple of uh, uh, forms or a handful of forms that are meant to deal with, with contract uh, performance. And um, before I get to those though, I, I left over, I missed out or uh, missed an important part. <clears throat> 
none of the, the BPP forms or the PRE or the, any of the PEADs are legally mandated forms. You don't have to use those particular forms. You've got to, according to the, the, the industry guidance, uh, real estate transactions by OSHA and the Department of Public Health, you have to give the, those, the warnings that are included within those documents, but you're not obligated to actually use those documents. They're very convenient uh, and they're being updated uh, by CAR, like I said, regularly. Uh, so I, I would recommend that those be used, but if an office has in-house attorney that has other recommendations, uh, that so long as the content of what's required by OSHA and the Department of Public Health, uh, that would be sufficient. Um, now, uh, getting to the CVA, the coronavirus addendum. Now, this is a form that is optional, uh, but un we, I, we see that a lot of, uh, of licensees uh, are using it in every transaction, and that's not, that's not what it was meant to be, uh, to be used for. So what, what the coronavirus addendum does is it says, okay, buyer and seller, uh, we're in an interesting time right now, and we recognize that uh, there may be delays. The appraiser may be delayed. The home inspection may be delayed. My loan may be delayed. And so if <clears throat> there is a delay that's, that's caused specifically by something related to, the, to uh, COVID, uh, then we will um, uh, issue another form, which is called the uh, NUCC, the Notice of Unforeseen Coronavirus Circumstance. Uh, and then, you know, we will agree on what to do at that particular point in time. <clears throat> now, the form, understandably, I don't mean this is a criticism to CAR, but the form really is, okay, if something comes up, we'll agree what to do at that particular time. So it, it kind of is a bit, you know, squishy. There's language in there uh, that, that I think you could uh, or could be used to uh, um, say that if a circumstance came up appropriately, uh, that both sides have the right to cancel. Uh, but then there's other part of the, of the form that really doesn't specifically say that. It says, okay, we will agree and figure out what we're gonna do. Maybe we'll extend escrow if that solves the problem. And then we'll, if we can't solve the problem after an extension of escrow, then we'll revisit whether or not we wanna, we wanna cancel. So it, it creates a bit of ambiguity in a purchase contract and it should be gone over with a seller uh, and a buyer uh, at the time that an offer is presented as to whether or not that the seller and buyer want for it to be used. <clears throat> If I'm representing a buyer, uh, or if I had a client, a real estate agent client that was representing a buyer, I would say push to use that form because you want to give your buyer some wiggle room uh, if there's a problem down the road. Uh, if I'm representing a listing agent, uh, I would probably would tell the seller, let's not use that form uh, because we want to be able to get this deal, this deal closed and we don't want to create ambiguity. Um, You're so talking about the NUCC, correct? No, that's the CVA. So I'm talking first about the, the CVA. So the, and then there's also the CVA LR for, for leases. Gotcha. Okay. But uh, getting to just the general terms of, okay, during the course of this performance, I'm sort of paraphrasing what the, what the CVA says, during the course of the performance of the contract, there might be something that comes up related to COVID uh, that makes it either impossible for me to perform or, or makes it difficult for me to perform. Uh, and then therefore we're going to uh, on the difficulty side, let's say, for example, I can't get an appraiser out, then we're going to agree uh, to kick out the close of escrow date 30 days. So I've got more time to get the appraiser. Okay. Then uh, if there's uh, if there is something that comes up, 
uh, then that's when you would use the NUCC, either for just the straight NUCC for sales uh, or the NUCCLR for leases. Uh, and and what that is a form where the buyer or the tenant would say, okay, here's what happened. Here's the circumstance that arose as to why uh, I can't close or why I need more time to close. And then the buyer or hopefully the seller would agree. Uh, and then they um, uh, would agree with the, with, with the circumstance and allow for more time or both parties cancel. Now, again, you could read the, the CBA to say, just because the buyer or the tenant submits an NUCC, the seller could say, well, I don't think that that's sufficient cause and I'm gonna to refuse to do anything. Uh, and that's where the ambiguity can create some conflict in, in certain circumstances. Um, so as an example, let's say that I'm a buyer and uh, I just can't get the kind of loan that I want because the market, the lending market is tightened up. Now, currently, thankfully that's not the case, but I just don't like the loan that I, that I have or that I, that I was qualified for or approved for. And so I'm gonna send in the NUCC. A seller could say, no, sorry, if the terms of the loan that you were approved for uh, meet you know, the, what's provided for in the purchase contract, uh, you still have to purchase. But on the flip side, let's say that the buyer loses his job or her job uh, and can't qualify for a loan at all. Then the buyer would submit and say, I lost my job and submit the NUCC explaining the loss of the job. And then that would be a circumstance where the buyer and the seller would then have to, you know, either see if it can, an extension can solve the problem or whether uh, it just needs to be canceled. And then uh, the other two forms uh, and probably should have started with these are the, uh, or is the uh, RLACAA and that's the residential listing agreement uh, coronavirus addendum or amendment. And that's an important form for a listing agent because what that form says is it, uh, it makes the seller commit to what's going to be allowed or not allowed in showing properties. Uh, I'm going to allow people in there without masks. No, I'm not going to allow people in there unless they have a mask. Um, I'm going to allow one showing a day. I will allow multiple showings a day. You know, obviously the, the current regulations are, are that you have to stagger them. You can't have more than one one buyer in at a time, but that's where the seller uh, you put in writing so that there's no ambiguity as to what the seller what the seller is going to allow and not allow within within the house during the listing marketing period. So um, uh, again, you know these these uh, uh, have been um, updated and changed a bit. So as of uh, August 12, that's accurate. Uh, but you know, always go back to the CAR forms if somebody is viewing this video uh, two weeks, three weeks, whatever from now and, and, and see if there are any uh, um, changes and, and updates to those particular forms. Well, I appreciate that. There are so many forms, we've probably overwhelmed a lot of people, but now to make it even more interesting, you mentioned to it uh, a little bit earlier, OSHA, and the California Department of Public Health have now released that industry guidelines, uh, the real estate transactions. Now, how does that relate to what we've already talked about and what's required under these guidelines and how are they different from the best practices that we've all been hearing about already? Yeah, so, so <clears throat> as with everything, uh, people read, read um, uh, have their own opinions as to what things mean. And I think that's where this term best practices came from. So initially, uh, you had, uh, like, for example, the county of Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles, that said, uh, you, you can only show properties under these specific uh, circumstances. Uh, 
Right. Uh, you can't do open houses, but you can do, uh, you know, if it's vacant or unoccupied, uh, that was a big thing. So like Long Beach said uh, unoccupied, uh, whereas the LA city said vacant, meaning so long as you can only show it if there's nobody living there, not that you just get somebody out of the house. So all this ambiguity was being, was, was floating through all the different uh, county and city uh, local ordinances. Uh, and so the uh, CAR trying to get its hands uh, uh, around all these different rules uh, started uh, talking about best practices and it was giving guidance, you know, as, as things were unfolding. And this was, in this time period, it was every other day there was something new or at least twice a week there was something, something new coming out. Uh, and so when, uh, when um, OSHA, Cal OSHA and then the California Department of Public Health released their industry guidelines for real estate transactions, <clears throat> the BPPP form was created by CAR that basically took those, those suggestions, requirements, recommendations, however you want to phrase it, because that, uh, that, that uh, publication uh, by Cal OSHA and public uh, health is a mix of, of shalls, shoulds, uh, mays, it, it was kind of complicated. So there really is no difference between, you know, best the concept of best practices and what's required under the, uh, the industry guidelines, uh, real estate transactions publications. And again, so long as the, the, the uh, um, BPPP form uh, and the, um, the PRE, the posted rules of entry are used, uh, at least as of today, uh, you're gonna be in compliance with, uh, with the, um, uh, the, the guidelines set by Cal OSHA and the Department of Public Health. Okay, now regarding that uh, PRE, uh, would you call it there the of entry? Yeah, the posted rules of entry. Posted rules of entry. How does that work with the agents in the PPE and the, even the PEAD form? Right. So the it, the the PPE is uh, and that's a, a personal protective equipment is is touched upon in both the uh, the best practices guidelines and protection plan and the posted uh, rules of entry. And what that says is, uh, okay, we have to have hand sanitizer at the property. Uh, we, some people have to wear masks. There has to be clean equipment uh, there to be able to clean between uh, showings. Uh, and so the, the, the guidelines basically say uh, buyers that come in, visitors that come in, you have to be wearing a mask uh, at, at this point in time. So the question is, well, what if they don't have a mask? Uh, now, the, um, uh, the, what's either the listing agent or the selling agent who's there with their clients has to figure out how to get that particular visitor a mask uh, uh, to enter, uh, to be compliant with the industry guidelines for real estate transactions. Uh, there is not a directive uh, as within as to whether it has to be the listing agent or whether it has to be uh, the uh, the selling agent. Uh, so I, I think what we're what the the safest thing for all uh, uh, real estate licensees to do is to have some PPE with you. You know, have uh, have masks. Uh, there was a early on there was a uh, suggest a requirement of of slippers. Uh, you know, food or uh, boot covering, shoe coverings, and gloves. Uh, that since been amended out of the um, the BPPP form. Um, so the um, or the posted rules uh, rules of entry form. Sorry. So uh, the um, uh, at this point, you know, we there just has to be clean cleaning materials there. Uh, 
uh, to be used. They don't have to be posted at the front door, but they just have to be somewhere on the property so that there can be a cleaning you know, between the showings. Uh, and the, the occupants, again, uh, start to, sorry to be a, sound like a broken record, but uh, have to enter with, uh, with masks on. Mark, who pays for all that? If the, is it the seller that's showing the property? Is it their responsibility to have those uh, sanitized stations around the house? Uh, or is it like you were talking about the agent? Is it uh, the responsibility of the agent uh, to, uh, to incur those costs? Well, unfortunately, there's no guidance on allocation of costs, right? So in these forms, there, there isn't, uh, okay, uh, seller is going to be, is going to pay for this and agents are going to pay for that. But I think that that's something that uh, should be thought about when you're, when you're using the listing uh, agreement, the, C, the uh, RLA CAA, uh, because that would be something where you could put that in. And it's a, and it's a good point. I'm glad you asked because what if I'm a seller uh, who has a, an antique um, piece of furniture next to the doorway uh, where people would commonly come in and touch it or could touch it. Um, but uh, you don't want to be using or the seller doesn't want, uh, you know, uh, Windex being used or, or disinfectant to be used uh, on the surface of the, of the antique. Uh, so that would, be a that would be something where you would say, okay, if I'm cleaning this particular piece of furniture, seller wants me to use this particular cleaning device or cleaning uh, solution or whatnot. So that's, that'd be something that we that agents are going to have to do now, which they didn't have to do before. Right. I'm, I'm showing a property with, uh, uh, you know, uh, a unique type of marble uh, countertops uh, or, you know, carpet uh, that's expensive or unique or Persian rugs that are unique. Um, okay. So when I have to do this cleaning, and here's what the BPPP asks me or tells me I have to do, uh, how am I supposed to do it? And you'd want to have that list within the RLA CAA. Do you think that most agents are doing those cleanings between showings or is a seller making arrangements to have somebody do those for them or are they doing it themselves? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> uh, I would say that because um, I've been a part of uh, a broker owner group with the South End Regional Board of Realtors that's uh, you know, with more of the, the larger brokerages. So I think the larger companies are really trying to educate their agents uh, to handle it themselves to make sure it gets done. Um, whether a particular agent does that or whether agents uh, um, are with, um, who haven't looked carefully at this are trying to push that down to the seller, uh, it is, it's difficult, uh, difficult to say. Well, let me open Pandora's box quickly here. What if an agent says that they're going to clean after the, the open house and come to find out they didn't and somebody gets infected? Is there a potential lawsuit there? Yeah, well, it, with all of uh, any showing uh, create where there's people from different households, uh, you know, creates uh, a risk that didn't exist before you went into the house, right? So the question, at least in my mind, and it's uh, since we've never in our history uh, as, a, as a nation have dealt with something like this, perhaps maybe back in 1918 when uh, we had the Spanish flu, uh, which of which there's no records as to what agents were doing or not doing back then. And to be quite honest, I'm not even sure if, uh, if uh, real estate uh, li uh, licenses were issued back in 1918, uh, but there really isn't a whole lot of guidance. So I, it's one of those things where I have to just say, I don't know, and sorry to sound like an attorney and dodge the question, but. Uh, I see a lot of causation problems. Uh, how can I say as, a, as someone who's infected that I picked up the virus at, uh, at a particular showing and I didn't pick it up at 
the hardware store or the grocery store or somewhere else that I had been. Uh, and that's going to be the difficulty. Excellent. Well, that's all I have for today. We're going to do uh, these, these risk management seminars down the road, and they're going to include property management, disclosure, certain claims that are happening in the marketplace right now. So uh, we wanted to focus on just the CAR forms today and, and all of those new regulations that we talked about from OSHA and the, the Department of Public Health. So I appreciate all your uh, feedback on these issues today and uh, look forward to seeing uh, both of you down the road for our next installment. Well, if there's been as much activity in the past three months over the next three months, then we're going to have to do a session two of this to bring everybody up to date because it's, right. uh, it, again, it changes, uh, it changes rapidly. I was just going to say that Mark, you did a great job of covering everything and making it, you know, very, can't say overly complicated information, but a lot of information digestible. So thank you for that. And I agree, we'll probably have to do another segment in the near future. But for now, I think we'll just say thank you all for watching and to let you know this webinar will be available on the Crest Insurance website on the homepage. It'll be listed under the Claim Prevention blog tab. So Mark and Dave, thank you very much. And I'm sure we'll be circling back soon. All right, thank you for the invite. Thank you.